You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm your co-host, uh, PJ, along with Mr. Shiles, and we are in the same clothes if you're watching via video because we've recorded back-to-back episodes. Why do you have to point, point that out? Well, because people people are going to say, I mean, if you are perceptive they and aware— notice. Uh, you think put, they, they would? Yeah. I think they would have noticed. I should have put my jacket on or something. Yeah, I could have. I could have taken this shirt off, but don't want to. So, and <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> we're off to a good start. We are. We are. Yeah. So we, when we started, I I gave a little wave. I'm trying to make that trying to make that a thing. Is that your branding? Is I'm that your branding to, wave? Like you say, blessings. Okay. I I have found myself in. Uh, in the class, uh, this is a side note, but the class I'm taking, we do, we do discussion posts, and this semester we're able to do videos. For oh, discussion okay. Post, and I've I've ended a couple of the videos with blessings. <laughs> you're blessings. Just, you're just yeah. rubbing off on me. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think it's you know, for me, when I look at scripture, this idea of just blessing that you you know you you extend this blessing. Yeah. So maybe Paul is rubbing yeah, off. There on you me. go. There yeah. you go. So we're going to uh, we're going to do part two today. Part two, because yeah, it was a very long podcast from last week, and so we'll do part two. We'll we'll clean up some things from two weeks ago, but we'll we'll engage with what went down this past weekend. Wonderful. So so as a reminder, we are in the Empowered series, and uh, this is Acts fifteen. Um, uh, last week was one through nineteen, and this past weekend uh, we went through verse thirty five. Um, this was February 17th and 18th, and then obviously February 24th and 25th. So just as a, as a reminder of, of what we got to last week, if you, if you didn't listen to, um, part one, I, we would recommend you, you doing that. Um, but the main point is faith in the gospel saves you from the penalty of sin and welcomes you into the life of the king and his kingdom. We talked about, before we even got into the points, the importance of this idea of the gospel, um, not just taking for granted that we understand what the gospel is. So we talked about why do we need the gospel. We also defined the gospel and, uh, and encouraged you to, uh, to come up with a, an elevator pitch definition of the gospel and, uh, and also understanding what aspects of that might be offensive to the culture and where you might, uh, might need to be prepared. Um, so these three points that we were working through, the first is the gospel is for all people, and thus will form a diverse community. Um, we really laid out and talked about no other religion in the history of the world has been able to create such a diverse community. And we see this idea of unity through diversity. I don't think we should take that for granted. No. Um, but today we're going to get into um, the gospel might get confused by some in that community. We'll talk about the gospel will need to be clarified in that community so that they don't hinder people from being saved. Um, and, and this is that's kind of an interesting thing where we dig into both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then how is one saved by the gospel? So that kind of wraps up um, the previous week's message. 
And then we'll talk about the, the so what. Now, now, what is the result? So when the co- gospel takes root, then what is the, what is the result of that? Um, making sure that there isn't, there isn't Jesus plus works, but um, Jesus um, and then the, the outgrowth, the, the response to that. So that's what we'll get to today. So let's dig into that question of the gospel might get confused by some in that community. So we gave this, uh, this illustration of both a high bar and a low bar of yeah. entry. So for the high bar, you, you laid out it was Jesus plus works equals salvation. And the low bar, you just flat out said it's just the wrong Jesus. <laughs> so talk a little bit more about, um, first of all, this idea of, of high bar of entry and, uh, and how we can guard against that. Yeah, and I think that there, you know, there, there may in a lie some high bar that don't even have Jesus as an equation. Like, uh, so, like, I mean, again, now we're talking about another kind of set of religions, but you have to work your way to salvation. Mm. But here, and this is what I want to stress for from Acts, from an Acts 15 standpoint, these people have the right Jesus. Right. They placed their faith in Jesus. Now, yeah. they added some layers to it, like circumcision mm. and adherence to the law. But they directed their faith to Jesus. Okay, mm. so I, I, you know, I believe they were saved. What was happening, though, is that by adding circumcision again, when, when, and this is a podcast, so everybody knows what circumcision is. But could you imagine now? Could you imagine? You know, the the males, like the women's like, well, okay, well, it doesn't really affect me. I'm coming. I'm. I'll I'll come into. But then when you think about the 613 laws, like. I, Okay, I got, now I've got to memorize 613 laws and not only memorize them, but actually do them, okay? So so there's a very high bar that you've got to do in order. So think about it this way, okay? So the, I, I'm a golfer, and I love golfing. But there are a couple of, well, let's put it this way. Most country clubs, like 99% of country clubs, uh, they are high bar. Like, I can't afford them. So, therefore, I can't play there. The only way I can play there is if I'm invited, but I'm, I'm done. So, what the, the higher you go with the bar that you set that people have to do X, Y, and Z mm. in order to become part, the more you create a barrier between uh, people who aren't like you, who don't have your characteristics or qualifi- right. qualifications from getting in. Right. And so... Hmm. And that's where you have Paul and Barnabas and Peter and James going, time out, guys. Yeah. Like, we, like if that's the bar, we can't get in. Because we haven't. Yeah. As a people. We so, haven't been able to live up to it. And that's where I you know, wanted to say that they're typically they, – these people are typically highly religious people. Hmm. That they, you know, they have a high, highly religious routine that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but, but here's the thing that they they don't see their own imperfections. So what? So so what you see? So think about it this way. Uh, so in uh, Luke 15, there's the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But it really is more about the prodigal father because people would say, like Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller, which again always miss him. Is that he? You know, he would say that it's more about the prodigal father because people would see that his his grace is scandalous, mm. it's wasteful. Mm. So, 
So you have you have the younger son who basically spits in his father's face, wants to leave. Yeah. And so this was scandalous to the Jew. Like if any Jewish child did that, you need to stone them because that's what the law would say. But wow. the father let him go on off. Right. Well, you know, the younger son goes on off, you know, goes a long way way off. Uh, but then he comes to his senses mm. and he's actually awakened what I would argue by the father's love, by how the father left him, mm. you, you know, gave him that, that little open door that he needed to come back. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'll just come back to my father and say, listen, I don't have a right to be called your son. If I could just be made one of your servants, I would be happy. So the father welcomes him back in, kills the fatted calf, throws a party like my son has returned because he has come to his senses that he has sinned, but that I'm gracious and that that he wants to become part of my my my, my life again. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so he receives. Okay. But what if all right, so take the younger son, there are people that are out there in terms of the low bar that would say I just want to claim the Father's love for me so I can stay out here in a foreign land living the way I want to live. And they have not awakened to their senses that they actually not only need a Savior, but they have a Father who in heaven wants to give them uh, his life and to incorporate him into incorporate them into his life and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like, but they but here's what they want to do. They, in some sense, want 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 the lot. You know, in some sense, want the salvation mm-hmm. with, with without the cost of coming back home. Okay, so, but then on the other hand, you got the older son. Yeah. Okay, and the older son, he's ticked off. That the father has welcomed, though, because the son actually did return, threw himself at the mercy of the father, and was was saying, whatever you want, father, like, listen, I I have done wrong. I've sinned. I am here to repent. Because that, that's ultimately what, what, when you receive the gospel message, you are ultimately repenting. I'm repenting from being my own authority or making whatever my authority was, making them the authority now now, now, Jesus, you are my authority, so you are turning. You're just a 180 turn. Well, so when the older son saw that, mm. he's indignant. Mm. Guess where he goes? He goes outside the house, mm. and he's not going to come in. He is not going to come in. So the father has to go get him, mm. you know. And so what what you see even with with the older son, he was the Jew. He was highly religious. Yeah. He had did everything in some sense in his eyes that the father would have wanted, yeah. but he failed to have the love and the, the the essence of the father's character in him because he made it about a transactional relationship. Well, I've done all of your laws. I kept all of your household rules, but he did so not because of a love of the father, mm-hmm. but because so that he thought he could earn the father's love. Yeah. And so now when he goes out of the house, the father has to, in love, go after him. Mm. So so that's where when you look at the high bar entry, it's usually by highly religious people. And so what, what these Jewish believers were doing, they came back in the house, but they were telling the younger brother, the yeah. Gentile, yeah. hey, uh, if you're going to come back in the house, you got to, you got to come back in and you got to, you, you got to return, you, you got to, you got to, in some sense, return to being Jewish because that's what God wants. Well, no, that is not what God has always wanted. He's always wanted your heart. Yeah. Hmm. So they, 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 they had misunderstood the essence of now the gospel is that the gospel, 
is the love of God being directed towards sinners and the gospel is that you don't have to earn your way to the Lord, but the Lord has worked his way down and he's worked a perfect salvation for you. All you have to do is receive and now the gospel transforms you and transforms your heart into the heart of the fathers. Yeah. So so that that so that's where that high bar entry really comes into play of going you, right. you know they were adding all these things and they shouldn't have done that. So so with a church like Northland we have you know being non-denominational we have a broad background of, yeah. of people and experiences um for those that that might be listening and thinking oh man I maybe I I find myself in that that area what how do we break how do we break from that how do we um I know that's a, a a challenging thing, but um, or how do we how do we assess um, if that's what if that's what we're doing to the gospel? Yeah, you, you kind of rendered me speechless. I, I mean, well, yeah. I, I mean, one thing that comes to mind is if, and this might be you know only done by yourself or maybe your spouse, but if we find ourselves being offended by by something, right? Something from a church, something that um, that said from the stage or said, you know, Bible study. It, we, we, maybe we can um, try to assess where where does that come from, right? Is is that from you know is this biblical truth? And 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 where you know why am I being offended? Um, am I being offended because of uh, a tradition I came from? Because of um, what somebody had taught me and and told me, or is it really from true biblical conviction. And um, and that can be, you know, that can be a, a painful, potentially painful thing for people that have grown up and, and lived in the church and and um, tradition and um, biblical truth can, I mean, this is what we see in, in Acts 15. It, it kind of gets inter, intertwined. So um, so really having that, what I hear, heard from you is this posture of... Uh, of of humility and being you know moldable and um and if we do find ourselves being offended what um where is that coming from right is it is it from biblical truth or is it from something else yeah or is it yeah is it from your customs and your your you know in some sense your religiosity so what that that's a hard thing though yeah well that is well, you so, don't want to call okay. you know you don't so uh, I'm let, being faithful I'm not, I don't want to fall fall into that so the council at Jerusalem, um, one of the things that just dawned on me as I'm sitting here, as you're talking, and, and I'm trying to think, about how would I answer this question? So in Acts 2, we, you know, when we, we, we would read a, a verse or two uh, in the Engage series from Acts 2, 42 through 47, where did they start out with meeting? Uh, in the home. Well, oh, sorry, in the uh, in the synagogue. In the well, in the temple. So the temple was temple. in Jerusalem. Synagogues are outside of yeah. you know. Synagogues were basically a multi-site effort of the of the temple. Right. Is how I would look at it. They're right. small, you know. In some sense, they were extensions of the temple. Um, but they but the early church started in the temple because ultimately, uh, you know, G- Jesus never, in some sense, saw him like so. He was re. You think about it this way: reforming the temple. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so, but it was so hard for them that they, that most of the Jews couldn't do it. So in Acts 15, when they gather together, it doesn't look like they're in the temple gathered together in this, right? Mm -hmm. So at some point they had a break from the temple because this shift was too much. Mm -hmm. And so, and if they weren't careful, so think about it, if they're not careful, with defining the gospel and what it meant, yeah. then it could be another shift, and it could become a Jewish church and a Gentile church mm. because, again, that, that's what's at stake. Mm. So, so that's where you have to you, – you have to – what is the essence of the gospel and what does – and then what, you know, what we'll talk about you know, in a little bit is, okay, what are the implications of the gospel? Yeah. So – like so, when when I look at some of the things that you might hear today in terms of a high bar, is okay. You need to clean up your life before you come to Jesus, because there, mm-hmm. there's this thought where look at how neat and, and clean these believers look. Like man, I'm I'm, I'm nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So in some sense, people have thought, well, I need to clean up my life before I come to church or mm-hmm. before I come to Jesus. Uh, no. Uh, and here's one of the things that I've heard. Now, again, I have not heard heard this, you know, um, you know, here at Northland, or it's been a while since I heard this. But growing up, well, we don't want those heathens coming in here destroying everything. Oh my gosh! Like, I, like I've literally heard that, you, you know, growing up in 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 the church. I, like, oh my god! Like, wow. Okay, so what you want them to become unheathen before coming here? Like wow, that 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 is so far from Jesus. Like, I don't, do you even know the real Jesus? Mm. Like, so um, you, you know. And then there are denominations that believe that you can lose your salvation. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you which ones, because again, I'm not trying to be disparaging. Like, I don't think that you know. Now, am I being am I being truthful? Am I being you know being like adamant? Yeah, but I don't want to be disparaging to these denominations. But there are denominations out there that believe that you can lose your salvation. Um, so therefore, if you can lose your salvation, then it's predicated on what you can do, hmm. uh, rather than ultimately what Jesus has done. Hmm. So I don't know if that's that. Well, I know that that is not the gospel here, hmm. right? Um, so, so again, if you're part of that denomination, there's always this burden on you. Are you performing? Did, did you pray enough? Did you do enough? Did you make sure that you didn't sin as much? I mean, like, I mean, because how, how much, you know, how much is enough at that point? Right. Mm. Okay. So, um, and I do know that we live in, you know, and, uh, you know, I, so I, I was an equal opportunity offender. So I, let me just say it that way. So I, you know, probably yeah. offended Catholics, you know, Protestants, evangelicals, because even when you get into evangelicals, you can get into evangelical denominations, you, you know. So I, I, I felt like I was an equal opportunity offender, but I, I understand that there are, you know, that there, there are a lot of either former Catholics or even current Catholics coming here. And this is hard to wrestle with right. because there is a lot of tradition. Yeah. That is set up within the Catholic Church. Now, here's the thing. Again, and I'll try to be as clear as I can. If I'm not, just let me know and I'll try to clarify it. Okay. So, let's take Catholicism and let's say, you know, let's say that there are Catholics here at the Council of Jerusalem. God is not telling you that you can't have your rosary. God is not telling you that you can't go and see a priest and, and confess. 
God's not saying that you don't have to go to, God's not saying that you need to stop going to mass. What he is saying is that if you're telling people that they've got to have a rosary, that they've got to say Hail Marys, that they've got to go to a priest and confess their sins so that they can be absolved from their sin, then you need to stop doing that because you should not be putting extra layers of things that people have to do in order to come to faith in Jesus. And then here's the thing. If you feel closer to Jesus by doing those things, but knowing that they have no power to save you, but if you feel like those things help you grow closer to Jesus, more intimate with Jesus, by all means, do it. Um, but do not, do not, uh, and I, and because I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a good reason of of don't do this. All right, so the book of Galatians. Okay, so now what's fascinating is I was listening to uh, N.T. Wright talk about Galatians and even talk about Acts fifteen. He believes that Galatians was written sometime around the Acts 15 controversy in Jerusalem, which is why Paul is so adamant Mm. because you have these Judaizers uh, that, again, believe in Jesus but say you need to be circumcised and you need to adhere to law in order to be saved. Like, so, and undoubtedly, um, you know, these Judaizers who were coming into the region of Galatia and the churches, undoubtedly, they weren't there uh, for the Jerusalem Council. So, so, but Paul is adamant. Listen to what, li, li, listen to how, how so strong he comes across when he's trying to tell uh, the church, you do not have to do all of these extra things to be saved. So verse 7 in chapter 5, Paul writes, You were running a good race. Mm. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Mm. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Like this. So that's why it's so important that you understand that sometimes those who are in the community of faith can confuse the gospel of faith. Okay, Because he's like, just a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view of salvation. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Like God's going to hold them accountable for right. what they've done. Right. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Like the cross should be the only thing that offends. Circumcision, calling people to be circumcised should not, should no longer be the offense. Verse 12. As for those agitators, those who are coming in preaching a different gospel saying Jesus plus this, and they're agitating. They are disturbing people. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. And there's an exclamation mark there in the scriptures, meaning Paul was so bold as to say, listen, these people, these, (laughs) these people just need to go do that. Like, because what they are doing, they are leading people astray. So yes, there are people within the context of, of, of the big C church today 
that are leading people astray and making it hard for them to come to faith in Jesus because they are making the gospel about other things other than just Jesus, his death and resurrection. Mm. So that's part of where I'm like, if you know, there there are denominations out there that believe that you have to be baptized in order for you to be saved. No, you don't. And again, I can name you those denominations. Um, I remember, and so does Pastor Derwin. Remember that there were churches that we were a part of. That when you came to faith in Jesus, they would hand you a pamphlet of who to vote for in the next election. As if now, if you're going to come to Jesus, you need to change the way you vote. No, you don't. I mean, so so I, that's why, listen, I wanted to be. Again, I myself did not want to necessarily be the, the, the equal opportunity offender. I, I believe yeah. that... Acts 15, the leaders there are the equal opportunity offender going, listen, if this fits you or if this fits the the background that you come from, yeah. then you need to get the gospel right. And I'm sorry if you were offended, mm. but I'm not sorry is what Paul would say. Yeah. <laughs> so, Well, and th- this is something that um, people all over the world have to wrestle with. I mean, this is something that, that missionaries and global workers um, – you know, when when the gospel takes root in other cultures, people have to wrestle with that. Yeah, um, it's we're we're not as used to having to wrestle with it here, and and it's become it's become clear, and it's it's become time that it is so very important that we have to that. Yeah, pre, you know, preaching that message, it's it's Jesus. It's not Jesus plus yeah. anything else, and it can create this cognitive dissonance because you're all of a sudden feel like my tradition is just being smacked down and i just think there's this there's this opportunity for um uh, obviously there's opportunity for grace there's opportunity to um to just like have this uh open spirit of what does the gospel say what does the you know what's at the heart of the bible and let's just Let's make sure that we are not adding anything that anything to that for ourselves. Make sure nobody else is adding anything to that, and definitely well, making sure we're not adding anything for anybody else. And, and, and if you think about it, when you think about the gospel, again, the, the definition of the gospel, right? And again, maybe the more succinct summary is just easier to to say, but that. The rightful cosmic king has come, Jesus Christ, who through his death and resurrection is making all things new. Like that's glorious. And he invites you into that newness. Why would you want to eclipse that glory with a bunch of rules and extra layers? There can be tremendous freedom in that. Yeah. Uh, be, be, now again, we're we're about, we're gonna we're gonna get to the implications here in a second. So I'm not gonna sit there because here's the thing that even the gospel writers that and even Jesus himself, the the embrace of the gospel does call you to something, uh, and that call is a confirmation that you have received the true gospel. Okay, so yeah. we're gonna get to the implications here in a second. Yeah. But their implications and fruits of the gospel. They're not the power to be saved, okay? Yeah. So, but but I, I want almost here's what was happening with 
with the with the Jewish believers here and what happens even with religious people today that want to say Jesus plus all these religious adherences is that you eclipse the beauty and the splendor of the gospel. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and here's a side note. And I, I, I didn't say this, but uh, you can see it. I have it scratched out, don't I? Oh, yeah. So I have it scratched out. I didn't say it because I, I knew it was just – it was already too much. Mm. The Pharisees were a very small sect in Judaism. They were actually a very small sect in Judaism. There wasn't a lot of Pharisees, okay, mm. because of what the cost was to become a Pharisee. Right. Okay? So the Pharisees were a very small sect in Judaism, and if they were allowed to become the ringleaders of the early church and implement their strict adherence to the law and customs of Moses, they would have had a small church. Because when you set the bar higher than what God requires to be saved, you'll find yourself having a very small group. Mm. Could it be, I mean, again, one of the reasons why, like, you have to understand that when you look at the denominations here in America, when you look at every denomination here in America. And you, again, you can look at the big, you know, kind of the, the Catholic Church. When you look at mainline Protestant uh, churches like Methodists, Presbyterians, when you look at evangelical churches uh, like Baptist, um, um, you know, e- even, uh, you know, um, uh, oh, um, I'm, I'm losing. But, anyways, uh, when you look at every denomination, there's only one denomination that is growing in the U.S., and that's, that, that's actually Assembly of God, this Pentecostalism. And the reason why they're growing is because of the influx of people moving from, uh, you know, Central, South, Latin America here because they are they're they're coming and they they come from a Pentecostal background. So, so one of the things that I definitely would say is that you know what you have. The longer a denomination is in existence is the same thing of what happens when a church, the longer a church is in existence, they tend to add things that make right. it that make it an, a, an obstacle from new people coming in. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I, so once again, I would say like when you look at the Pharisees, if they were put in charge, the church would have never it would have at least split eventually and it did, but but what you would have you would have a very small church because they're adding all these layers. Yeah. Well, and what we want to do is we'll we'll move on then to the low bar of entry. We want to make sure that as as the pendulum swings away from the high bar, that it doesn't go all the way to the other side and just you know as we're lowering the bar, we we make sure that it is only what Jesus requires. But not less yeah. than that, and that's really what we see with the low well, bar. And, and we'll, yeah, we'll talk about the low bar. But I wanted to use the bars because God doesn't even give you a bar. Talk about that. Okay, so the the bars, right? Yeah. So high bar, yeah. low bar. Yeah. There's not like a. But it's not like the middle bar. He he he, and that's why I wanted to show the image at the very end with the lifesaver. That was a powerful image. You, yeah. you know, because it's not about a bar. It's it's about a it's about you dying. Hmm. You you are facing judgment. Hmm. And so the only way for you to the only way for you to be saved is to claim Jesus the cross and the crown. 
That, that, so it's not a bar. It's about this. It's about the gospel is about a rescue. It's about a redemptive and restoration mission of rescuing and redeeming and restoring humanity into this new yeah. creation that He's made available through His death and resurrection. So it's not even about a bar. Yeah. It's not even about a low bar. It is about the life that now He has saved you into yeah. and has called you into. Yeah. Like so, so that's where it's not about a bar. <laughs> it is about this, in some sense, a lifesaver. Hmm. So, I hope as we are wrestling with this idea, I hope it helps to clarify it in your own mind and in your own life. But also, and I, I hope it frees you up to then share this with others in a um, in a freer way. Right. Um, I think when we have too high a bar, um, it can be a bit cumbersome. What do I even explain and how do I how do I get somebody, um, you know, into it? But there can be a a freedom when you're when you're saying there's no bars, there's a lifesaver. And um, and that's compelling to a um, to a world that can be drowning, you know. Well, and you think, yeah. Well, and you think about the but the low bar, it can be appealing. Let's talk about the low bar, yeah. Uh, the the low bar could be appealing. Oh, you know, all I got to do is be a good person and God won't send me to hell. So, like you said you're not a good person. That's not a good way to get people back. No, no, but uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you said that you're not a good person. That that is talk about offensive. That is well, that's offensive. What, and that's why I tell What do you mean I'm not a well, good person? Well, that's why I tell parents you better be very careful of what you tell your kids growing up because I know we live in a day and age where we don't want to scar our children for life and so we got to tell them how good they are. But but from a Christian point yeah. of view, if you tell your child how good they are from the time that they can understand you mm. until when they get 12, 13, 14 and then then you tell them the gospel that hey, there's the rightful king of the cosmos, who, through his death and resurrection, is making all things new. Um, and, and yeah, you need to be made new because your old your old self is bad. Your old self is wicked. Your mm. old self isn't really as good as you think you are. So uh, yeah, I know I know what I've been telling you for the past 15 years, that you're really good, but you're not. Like, stop that, parents. Like, there's a way. Like, you know, one of the things that Joni and I used to teach our kids when they were small is like, you know, when when we would tell them to share, we would say, you need to ask the Lord for power for you to share. Mm-hmm. Because in and of yourself, you do not have the capacity to want to share. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. You can try, you can try to instill moral conformity in them mm-hmm. to try to share, and you can force them from moral conformity mm-hmm. to share, but you haven't changed the heart. You've changed the behavior. Mm-hmm. And so by our very nature, we come out going, no, 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 when somebody tells us to do something. We come out going, no, this is mine. This is mine. No, I don't want to share. Like, that is what we are by our very nature. So please, please, Christian parents, do not find another way to, in some sense, like, encourage your child, to develop your child. But don't sit there for, for over a decade tell them how good they are when the church is sitting here telling them the gospel. That the gospel is like you are worse than what you think you are, but God is more loving and gracious than you would dare even imagine. So, mm. anywho, we we are we are raising little sinners, and that is offensive to say that. That's offensive that a dad would call yeah. his parent his his kids 
Yeah, and, and but here's what, and, and but it, but it's taking in like here's the thing, it's so if you know I know that the parents are like oh, how dare you call my kid a sinner? They're perfect. No, they're not. They're little devils. We know they're not. Perfect. Like and so, but but how it's playing itself out yeah. even in even in Christian education is that you got parents coming into the school trying to defend their perfect little child because little Johnny's not like that at home. No, because they are two faced, deceitful people. That they're one way in front of you because they, they know how to deceive you into thinking how good they are, but they are marred by sin. Okay, so like, oh, my kid is so, like this. I've told, I've told parents, uh, well, I've told, I've, I've told teachers, I've told, um, you know, ministers and pastors, listen, I know my children are sinful, which is why they need Jesus. Amen. So, so anywho, I, I, I getting on my little soapbox here yeah. about this because, Listen, this is this is how we distort theology. We right. raise a generation to believe one thing when that's not what the Bible teaches them. Wow. So find another way to encourage and 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 healthily build up your child, but don't do so telling them what God would not tell them. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, here's what God would tell them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. That God them. has yeah. made them, he loves them, yeah. they have went astray, but God wants to redeem them, God wants to change them, God wants to make them new, God wants to make them a loving person, God wants to make them a kind person, God mm-hmm. wants to make them a compassionate person, God wants mm-hmm. to make them a person who shares. That's what God wants to do. But don't don't I want to. I, yeah. Anyways, I, I'm I'm done. Amen. On at least that part. Okay. But oh, but the so, but, okay. But here's a here's another thing. Okay. Last point on low bar. So we got on the we on. on the on the low bar is okay. So uh, why would like so people will you know would want to say well why would God send people to hell? You do realize that we chose hell. God, like God did not. In some sense, He didn't want to send. He didn't want to send mankind to hell. He created them to bring heaven to earth. Okay. Mankind, humanity, is the one who chose hell. We chose to disobey God. So when it comes to God sending people to hell, they're just going where they always wanted to go, which is why grace comes in, and God by grace saves, which that's part of why we should never take... Mm -hmm. We should never take salvation for granted because it is by grace through faith. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. God... You send your own self to hell. And so in some sense, God hasn't necessarily sent anybody anywhere other than to where they wanted to go. Yeah. Um, so this whole idea, well, he wouldn't send me hell because I'm, I'm, I'm good. Well, no, listen, good people go to hell. G- good moral people go to hell. Uh, yeah, be, and, and you, you even said – sorry to cut you off. Yeah. You, you, you said there are church members, you know, all across – America, right, or the world that are going to hell. Yeah, that's a sobering thing. Um, you know, there it was. A, it was interesting. There was some. Uh, I think people were so excited that you're uh, that you're preaching the truth, but man, there was like some claps and stuff in the in in you know the gatherings, and that was a. Uh, it was just interesting for me. I felt a little bit conflicted because although you're yes, you're saying the truth, but man. Let's not let's not give the perception that we're clapping for people going to hell. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, well, it's, a, yeah. it's a sobering thing. I but, but I, really, what people were were clapping for was you sharing the truth. Right? Yeah, yeah. But man, th- this idea you bring up you bring up hell. It's a 
we should be fearful, and it's a sobering fact. Um, it should bring us to our knees, right? Yeah. Um, it, it it shouldn't it shouldn't cause us to low you know lower the bar. We can't do that. Yeah, we can't do that. What that, that that's why the gospel is so good. I know it is such good news that you don't have to go. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. You can be new. You, you yeah, I mean, and we're and we're seeing it. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the transformation, transformation that we could not do. Um, only in God, we're seeing that transformation, and it's, it's remarkable. Amen. Um, so that next question, the gospel will need to be clarified in that community so that they don't hinder people from being saved. We've got to move move fairly quickly because I want to make sure we get to the what are the implications. Yeah. But what in that section do you want to make sure you you touch on? I think scriptures are huge. Um, like we did an exercise in staff uh, a couple weeks ago where we were reading First John 3. Mm-hmm. And just like if you just read First John 3 out of context, you'd be like, uh, what, what what just happened? Like, yeah. And so, but that's why you have to use scripture to clarify scripture. Mm-hmm. Scripture interpret interpret scriptures, not what our not what we feel, not what we think, all of that stuff. So, so really distress like the scriptures. Which so to even drill down, I talked about Berean Christians. So Berea was a was 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 a um, a city mm-hmm. that Paul went to to bring the gospel, and those who were converted, those who had believed. Anytime they would hear teaching, they would just go back to the scriptures and go, is this what the scriptures teach? So when right. you hear the word a Berean Christian, mm. that, that's what that means is that they're, you know, they're just not going to take what you say at face value. Yeah. They want to know, okay, what, what do the scriptures say? Which is why I think it's so important that like preachers, we open up the, the, the Bible and we teach from the Bible. This is what the Bible says. I mean, that's why you try to use a lot of, you know, uh, now what, when I'm preaching through like uh, an engaged series, I'm using from Old Testament and New Testament to make this point, right? Because yeah. I'm trying to teach an overall biblical theology. Yeah. Here in Acts 15, I'm breaking down the passage. Like, so the gospel forms a diverse community. Uh, the gospel, you know, in this community sometimes gets confused. And then third, that the gospel has to be clarified in this community. You see all of that. Like, I unpack what you see in that passage. Okay. So, but I'm using the scriptures mm. to, to teach, right? As opposed to taking my teaching and then trying to find scriptures and, I mean, like that. Sure. Yeah. That, that, that's not always a healthy way yeah. to doing it. So, but what, what I really want to drill down on is that if you really want to understand the gospel, to clarify the gospel, make sure you're using scripture. Now, a couple of things, though, that I think is important because, okay, so think about how I use scripture to clarify the gospel, okay? Not only did I use the Old Testament, but I actually used the context, the cultural context in which the book of Acts was written. So, and how I did that was, okay, I looked at that word gospel and said, okay, how was that word gospel used in the ancient world? Because what that's going to do, it's going to give me some cultural context to help me understand how the author, how Luke was actually using or how he thought about the word gospel. Yeah, and, and what the hearers would have understood. So so yeah. that that's, an, that's another way of using the scriptures is that you have to understand that the scriptures were written in first century 
Greco-Roman culture. Okay, mm-hmm. so they're going to like the word ecclesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not a word that the church created. It was right. a word already in existence. Just like I said about gospel, euangelion wasn't something that the church created. It was already already in existence. So you're doing some cultural work, some cultural historical background work to understand the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also important because the scriptures, when you allow the scriptures interpret the scriptures, once again, you're not reading into the scriptures what you want, but you're trying to find the intention of the author so that you can understand what the author intended to communicate so that you understand the scriptures appropriately. Hmm. So so I think that's also part of it is that, yes, you're letting the scriptures interpret the scriptures, but part of that is, is that you're doing some homework and doing some background research to understand the context, to yeah. understand why something was written so that you're not taking things out of context and that you're not projecting your own preferences and desires and wants or your presuppositions into what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's part of using the scriptures to clarify. Hmm. Yeah, and um, in in that section, the, the way you closed it out, the clarification you gave is faith in Jesus does not lead you to become a good and faithful follower of Judaism, but a good and faithful follower of Jesus. And, and we can substitute Judaism for... Um, whatever context we're in, whatever context, whatever ism you want to you, you want to put in there, like, yeah. but a good and faithful follower of Jesus, Jesus says, mm-hmm. you, you know, anyone willing to come after me mm. must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, so so, and, and that's part of where you know this idea that when we receive the gospel, it 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 does activate something, yeah, like the the gospel. How, if the reception of the gospel, faith, belief, confidence in the gospel, who Jesus is, death, resurrection, making all things new, confidence, belief, and trust in the gospel, absolutely, positively, miraculously, supernaturally transforms an individual, which then leads them to go, I'm going to dive into the depths of my life now in Jesus for Jesus. So 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 even the New Testament is going to talk about like even in Colossians that that in him and through him and for him. So so you have life in him. Uh you have life through him and ultimately the life that you have in him and through him is going to be for him. So that's why I put in there live in him and for him. Now there are some things that I I didn't get into but I wanted to introduce this term that Paul will introduce in Romans, the law of Christ. Mm. You know, and so, you know, what, what, what so what is this kind of law of Christ? Well, it's his life. Yeah. Um you 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 can look at it in in terms of the sermon on the mount. This is in some sense what it means to follow him. Again, you don't do all of those things to be saved, mm. but those who are saved are now brought into this life in him and for him. And so you can look at the law of Christ now, you know, as Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to take he's going to take the law uh, in the Old Testament and he's actually going to tailor it into life in him. Mm. That you've heard it said, "Hey, if you commit adultery, I I I say if you even look at a woman lustfully, that there's something not not you know, there's something it's so wrong with the depths of your heart 
that just the act of adultery doesn't cover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's lust with your eyes. Okay. So, so I'm going to learn what it means to be pure in Jesus for Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, like hatred, mm-hmm. uh, murder. I've heard you've heard it said, don't murder. But I say, man, you're not even going. You're not even going to, you know, slander your brother and sister because that would be considered as murder, tearing them down. Like so. So you're learning what life now, the law of Christ. Okay. Um, you can also. Uh, Look at Matthew 11, where he invites all of those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what he's saying is, is that, hey, listen, all of these things that these religious leaders have put on you, right. listen, it, it's too heavy, too yeah. burdensome. But if you will come after me, here's what you're going to learn, is that you will attach yourself to me. I'll take upon that burden. I'll take upon that heavy yoke, and it will be light to you mm-hmm. because now I, I am going to deposit my nature in you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to deposit my spirit in you, and you are going to become this not only new creation, but have the power to live out this new creation. Um, then, you know, this idea, well, I'll get into that idea here in just a second. But but that's where I you know, really want to dive a little bit deeper into uh, live in him and for him, that you're now going to give, now your identity, whose you are, is going to be in Jesus and therefore, you're going to begin to live out the implications of that identity of living out the life of Jesus. And it's all because you have received Jesus as as Savior, as King, and he's made you into this new creation. And so now, again, your identity is now in him, not in Judaism, not in Catholicism, not in being a Baptist, not being in a Methodist. Again, I, I'm not saying anything disparaging, but sometimes we can get confused with being those things versus being good and faithful followers of Jesus. And, and there so, should be there should be freedom there. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. The implications. Okay. Um, so so once that once that happens, once one is is saved by the gospel. What are some of those implications? Because that was really what um, this this second part, this the second message was about. Yeah, the second message. So, so James issues his judgment. Mm-hmm. Right, we we should not make it difficult yeah. for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Don't make it difficult. Yeah. Instead, so okay, so it, so don't make it difficult. Don't set up any barriers, obstacles, other than letting the gospel be offensive itself. Okay, hmm. so 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 don't make it hard for Gentiles coming to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. Okay, and then they're going to write this whole letter as we talked about this this past week. So, what are the implications of once when you put your faith, your mm-hmm. confidence, trust, belief in Jesus mm-hmm. as Savior and King, the cosmic King, the rightful cosmic King, who through his death and resurrection is making all things new, including you, right? So when you put your faith in Jesus, here's what happens. There's going to be some implications. Uh, you're going to live differently. Yeah. Now, okay. So 
and we, we talked about this week, and this is why, you, you know, uh, I, I just, you know, I, I dove into it to show you how from the Old Testament <laughs> to the New Testament, this is what, this is what God has always wanted to drill down. Mm. Okay. So sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? Like, you have to understand in the, in, in the Greek war, in the Greco Roman world, and when I mean Greco Roman, so, so there was the so Alexander the Great he had he was Greek or Macedonian he had conquered in some sense the known world and uh, took kind of Greek influence and it spread all over the known world. Then you the, then you had the the Romans that came in conquered the the Macedonians conquered the Greek and now you have Roman influence. So that's why I say Greco and it was like almost a blend. Yeah. So they weren't the same but a blend. So you yeah. have this Greco-Roman influence, but when it came to Greco-Roman influence, there was—I mean, there there was no restrictions on anything sexual, sexually. Right. Like if you wanted to have sex, like pedophilia. Seriously, I don't mean to be offensive here. Like pedophilia, norm. Like if you want to have, if you wanted to have sex with kids. Have, have sex with kids. Uh, if you wanted, if, if you wanted to have sex with men, have sex with men. You want to have sex with, you know, if you were a woman, and want to have sex. Like there was, there was no restrictions when it came to sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, in the in the temples that they had set up to gods, I mean, part of it was prostitution. Yeah. I mean, like you would, just, I mean, and so you would go, you would go into these temples, and part of your sacrifice, part of your religious duty, is to pay a prostitute and have sex. I mean, so there was no restriction yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Moral restriction, mm. but now what? What James is saying is that now there 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 are restrictions, yeah. because you have been brought into the kingdom mm. of God. Mm. You you have a new Lord, and so there are certain things that are still intact mm. from the Old Testament. Namely, the morality that God has infused into his people. Mm. And the reason why. Now, why would you even now have these sexual restrictions? Why would you even have these moral restrictions? Because you love him. Mm. And you want to be faithful to him. So when you look at when you look at the first you know, when you when you even look at the first you, you, you know, um, four or five laws of the Ten Commandments. Mm. They all had to do with Israel's relationship with the Lord. God, yeah. yeah. So again, now once again, these laws they didn't do these laws because they did not follow these laws. They didn't follow the Ten Commandments, so they could be saved. They followed the Ten Commandments because they were saved. They had already been delivered out of Egypt. Mm. God did not give them the law in Egypt and say, hey, li- hey li- live this out and then I'll save you. Mm. He delivered them and then he gives them the law. So do this. So so because, because you've seen how much I love you, because you, you've believed that I, I came to deliver you, now live this out, right? Mm. And, and so there's this love for God. Okay, so this idea of this sexual, like, do not, uh, you, you know, abstain from sexual immorality. So do not participate in sexual pornania. I believe that's what the Greek word is. Then what that is showing is that I want you to be faithful to me. Yeah. Um. So 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 your now relationship with me it does do some things in your life. It clean it cleans you up in my eyes. 
and how I see you acting. But then abstain from food polluted by idols and from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. Okay. Now this is now now what makes this fascinating is because you know we we have the rest of the New Testament, right? And we we actually have Paul's argument uh, uh, when it came to the question, can we eat now? Because again, in in these in these pagan temples, they would they would offer uh, they would offer meat uh, to these small gods, or when I say small g gods, sure, right? Yeah. False gods. Mm. Well, you know there there were Christians that said, well, can we eat meat offered by idols? And Paul was saying, yes, you can, as long as it doesn't make a weaker brother or sister stumble. Mm. Okay, so what Paul's getting at is what was what what James was getting at here. So these Gentiles would have been freed because they, they would have been freed mm. to from from a salvation standpoint, they would understand that there's no more power in the temple. There's no more appeasing gods in the temple, like right. you know they can do like. But they could also, you know, they, they were also free to eat, knowing that they knew that there's no power in the temple. That you know they're false gods. That we we believe we have put our faith in the one true God, Jesus Christ. Then Paul's like, hey, listen, you you could actually eat meat that had been offered to idols. Go in the marketplace, buy, buy meat, um, and if you find out that it's you know been offered to an you know idol, who cares? But what he was saying, here's where I want you to care, is if there is a weaker, like a, a younger brother or sister mm. who's coming out of the temple system, that if eating that meat would somehow make them stumble and want to go back into the temple system, do not, yeah. do not eat that meat. Okay, so now we're gonna we're going to apply this though to this context, this Jewish context, because this was the this was a Jewish debate. Mm. So what James is saying to these Gentile believers, you are free in this area, but because your Jewish brothers and sisters, they still have I mean, they're having to make this shift, and it's really hard for them. Right. So because of your love for them, mm. Mm. will you abstain mm. from eating food polluted by idols and eating meat of strangled animals and from blood? Mm. Because this is, not what, this is not what they've known, and right. this is really hard for them. Mm. So will you love them enough mm. to abstain from this? Mm. <laughs> so catch this. Amazing. Go back to Deuteronomy 6, which we talked about, where God summarizes the law. And what does he say? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And then Jesus, when asked, Mm. what is the greatest law? And in Matthew 22, he's going to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Mm. So what James is saying is that now that you have put your faith in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, now he has transformed you now Mm. to love God well, to want to please him in all realms of life. 
And then to love your brother and sister well. And you're going to love your brother and sister so well that even if it means you have to abstain from some things that you know you could even participate in, you're going to love them so much and so well the way Jesus loved you that you will be it will you will consider it a joy to abstain from that yeah. which would hurt them. Yeah. That's what he's getting at. Yeah, it's not it's not about salvation, it's about unity there. Man, it's amazing. And that, and and then what that is, and see what, what and what and what I really tried to drill down on is that as that the salvation that you have that is a result of your faith in the gospel, it now transforms you into who God is, and the whole reason why he saved you hmm. is out of his love. So he's going to give you a heart mm. to love him and a heart to love one another. And so that's why James Amen. is saying. Amen. So instead, basically, here's instead of giving them all of these layers of what they have to do to earn salvation, mm. because that is not the way salvation works, instead, we need to tell them to focus on what it truly means to love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. And to love their Jewish brothers and sisters well. Mm. So, so that that goes back to the essence of a good and faithful follower of Jesus. Is and and, um, and one of the things that I said this a couple of weeks ago in our men's gathering on Wednesdays is that I had a guy ask me a question about you know about growing in their faith. That just I always just feel like I, I've, I've just just not doing enough. And I mm. and one of the things that I told them was that day is I, I said it's not about doing enough but one of the things that you have to understand is that the gospel we have we have so we 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 have so misunderstood the gospel in our midst is that again the gospel is this announcement but we've also misunderstood discipleship of learning how to apply the gospel. And so we've, in some sense, seen discipleship as go to church, be part of a small group, serve somewhere, give somewhere. And and again, those are the four C's. And, and again, those are what the church does to engage in God's mission. But those have been seen as more of an assembly line type thing, that if you do all these things, then you'll become more conformed to the image of Jesus. That's not necessarily true. Right. Is that... And I gave the image in, you know, using the sea analogy. So we're swimming in a sea and we cannot do anything to save ourselves from the sea of sin that we're swimming in. But I want us to also use the analogy is that the gospel is also a sea and that you have scuba gear to now live into this sea. Hmm. Hmm. And the and and if you're going to dive into the depths of the sea of the gospel the further you go into the gospel the 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 weightier the gospel becomes so because in in a sea if you're going to dive into the depths you've got to get into a vessel that can accommodate the weight you need the right equipment yeah okay. yeah so one of the things that you need to understand about the depths of the gospel and ultimately again this idea of love driven by the love of god and the love for neighbor is that we are more wicked than we could dare even imagine out apart from the gospel Mm-hmm. So when the gospel saves us, when we respond to the gospel and we believe that the king has come to make us new, think about the complexities of all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and and so now the gospel is going to go to work identifying all those complexities, those wrong complexities of your relationship that you're no, go, you're no longer going to see other people as transactional in your life. You're going to see them the way Jesus sees them. You're going to serve them the way Jesus would serve them. Same thing with the, how we see the Lord. We're going to, and so now we're going to explore the depths of the new creation we are in Jesus. And that is a lifelong pursuit because there is a lot of things in the crevices of our old nature that we have not seen yet, mm-hmm. which is why James is just sitting there saying, just love God and love others. And I promise you that will be a lifelong pursuit in and of itself. <laughs> so, wow. um, so yeah, so all of that to say is the implications of the gospel mm. is a love, mm. is that we mm. truly are going to dive deep into the sea of the love of God made possible by the gospel of how we can love him well and also how we can love one another well. That's what we're going to do. Amen. So so with that, North and family right. and friends, it's been an awesome privilege to, uh, once again, just have this podcast of Extra Takes going deeper into uh, the message. And so, Matt, thank you for all your hard work, obviously, putting this together week in and week out. We deeply, deeply love you and are grateful for you. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.